Hello, hello, and welcome to another podcast episode of Overpowering Emotions, where I talk all things emotions and anxiety and emotion regulation. And talking about emotion regulation, I'm in my comorbid series right now, and this is part two of anxiety and ADHD. And I say emotion dysregulation. I mean, that's the core deficit of ADHD. I left off last time, just starting to go into a little bit about treatment. I was talking about um, when we're looking at ADHD, a combination of medications and behavioral strategies and looking at the environment as well. Uh, I'll just talk really briefly about medication consideration. Um, I just got to make sure that everyone knows I am not a medical doctor. I cannot give any medical advice on medications. However, working with ADHD kiddos, I I do have quite a bit of knowledge about the medication piece. Um, and so I, I do want to talk about that, especially when we're looking at ADHD um, and anxiety specifically. But I say, go and talk to your, you know, if you're a parent, go and talk to the family doctor. If you're a professional that's not a medical doctor, make sure that you're giving that disclaimer. If you are a medical doctor, fantastic. You can use some of this information and give medical advice. Um, but when we're looking at treating ADHD, the most common medications are stimulants right? They're, they're fast acting. Usually um, the first line treatment for medications for ADHD, we're looking at methylphenidates and amphetamine. So, so the two main categories, classes that we're looking at now, these usually don't make anxiety worse and they can work really well for ADHD kiddos, even with anxiety, but there are some kiddos, and this is why it's important to consider, there are some kiddos where those stimulants can actually make anxiety worse. They can create physical symptoms that are similar to anxiety, like increased heart rate. I know when I started on Concerta, which is a methylphenidate, I felt panicky. I felt like I was in fast forward motion, like just way more anxious than ever before. The benefit of those is they go out of your system within a day, right? So you don't have to take it the next day if you don't want. It's in and out of the system. And so I switched over to an amphetamine, Vyvanse, and it's been fantastic. My anxiety went away and I don't have any more of those symptoms. But if I did continue having those symptoms, I would say that the anxiety actually felt way worse, right? I was just too sensitive to it. So if you already have a kiddo who's sensitive to what's happening in their body. Um, they're worried about having a panic attack and, oh my gosh, what is happening? I'm going to have a panic attack, right? They might hate medications um, and find that it makes it worse for them. And especially sometimes we just got to get through that first few days, right? Of feeling that way and, and while our body is adjusting. Um, but we need to look. So it's, it's not usually making anxiety worse, but we know stimulants. Some kids are overly sensitive and they do feel more panicky and, and more anxious. So, so another class, sometimes doctors will look at non-stimulants that, that might be able to help. So they have a slower rate, slower onset. It's um, a common one is Stratera. So these non-stimulants, they're considered second line medications for comorbid um, comorbidity. So anxiety and, and anxiety. Anxiety and ADHD, man, I'm losing my words here. Um, so the second line medications, when we're looking at the anxiety piece as well, they're not as effective as the first line stimulant. Um, so they're about 75% effective for the ADHD symptoms compared to the 95% efficacy of stimulants. But at least it's going to help with that anxiety as well. And it's got to, you know, you it's staying in the system. It's not like you can skip a day, right? You have to take these medications all the time. Um, but they do 
have other side effects like nausea, like upset stomach, there's constipation and headaches, right? So we got to think about those. Um, sometimes doctors would recommend antidepressants. You know, if a kiddo isn't responding well to stimulants, um, antidepressants can help with mood, obviously, um, and attention, but obviously not as effective as stimulants. So, you know, there is a bit of a gamut. I, I often don't talk a lot about the antidepressants. It's really more uh, the stimulants. Um, you just got to make sure, I mean, if you're a caregiver, it's really important to talk to your doctor and, and give as much information as you can about how your kiddo is doing. And really no symptom is a dumb symptom. Give every symptom that you're seeing, right? Even if you don't think it's related. I think the more information that you give the doctor, the easier it is for them to identify what's going on, right? Correctly, which is really important. Uh, I would actually recommend tracking how kiddos are doing if they are going to go on, on the medication route. Ideally, you want to get some baseline if they're not taking medications yet. Um, get as much information from school, uh, how they're doing, performing, attention, paying um, interrupting, you know, putting their hands, staying engaged, look at mood, anxiety, their focus impulsiveness, sleep, that's going to be really important. Um, bowel movements, all of those things you want to keep track of. Uh, it's not too late though, if they're already taking medications, but do monitor how they're doing. That's going to be really important, especially if you go up in doses or, or change um, medications as well. Now with the behavioral side of things, the more sort of therapeutic side of treatment, I often first talk about the environmental things, right? And all the traps, for example, that parents and teachers and other caring adults fall into. And it's definitely true with the ADHDers, right? That we absolutely need to look at the environment. I think I've talked about my uh, resilience pyramid and the kids pieces, the kids skills that they need to work on are the very last thing, right? We can't just focus on the child. It's the last thing to focus on. We got to make sure these other things are in place. And the very bottom one is their environment, right? Um, and so I always say the kids do well in an executive functioning friendly environment. So the key to success is a whole systems approach, right? The other people in the ADHDers life, they have to be patient. They have to be supportive and understanding. They have to be strong co-regulators. Stress and anxiety are contagious and we can easily catch it from each other, right? And so we got to make sure we're managing our own stress and teachers in the classroom. We got to manage our own stress and frustration and annoyance and irritability and everything else that's going on. So psychoeducation is really important for teachers and caregivers so that they can really understand ADHD and anxiety and how they show up and how to respond effectively when they do, right? So overall, we got to ensure that the environment and the people around them are promoting their success because they're not going to make any progress otherwise, especially if we just keep working on their one individual skill that they need to work on. So, so looking at that and the connection, right? So we build a strong foundation, strong executive functioning, friendly environment with strong connections. So those are sort of the base pieces of that resilience pyramid. When we get to the kiddos skills, there's lots of skills that they need managing anxiety, right? And so when we're looking at emotion regulation, managing anxiety, the skills are actually the same. But with the ADHD, we do have to address any other additional lagging skills that are associated and in, in, that come with the ADHD. We can't just have them fake it until they make it, right? If they don't have foundational skills and resources um, and, and that point of performance, knowing to use the skills when they need to, we're never going to be 
effective. So I don't really need to talk about the anxiety piece so much today, because if you've listened to me or just listened to any of my other podcasts where I talk about those skills and what we need to manage anxiety, it's going to be the same. But with ADHD, we really do have to look at how much the ADHD is affecting their life how it's causing problems related to impulsivity, for example, right? How it's interfering with their ability to engage in their schoolwork, to maintain meaningful relationships, to feel success in just day-to-day life, right? And so if we can manage all of those things, everything else gets easier to deal with. So oftentimes, a lot of the work that I'm doing is teaching kiddos and adults about how to manage the day-to-day stressors of life that's contributing to the anxiety in the first place. Because you know, if we're not managing that ADHD, we're just going to continue feeding that spiral of failures and anxiety. What skills do we need to work on? There's so many that I'll never be able to cover. So definitely check out my ADHD masterclass because I go into detail for every single executive functioning and exactly how to manage each of those, how to target and teach those skills and to generalize to everyday life because it's usually it's that generalization and that point of performance. I talk about all of that, but key ones that we're going to look at impulsivity for sure. Like last time I said, if they're impulsive, they're going to act in ways that are going to cause problems that are going to create some anxiety, right? It's the crux of all other executive functions, because if they've already responded impulsively, their working memory is not going to engage, their initiation is not going to engage. None of the other executive functionings are ever going to be able to be used and engaged and strengthened if they're always being impulsive. So we definitely want to work on impulsivity. Um, a lot of frustration comes from timelines. That, that, that a lot of our ADHDers have. There's only two time zones. There's now and there's not now, which is really frustrating for parents because when they say, hey, bud, we got 10 minutes, make sure you go and brush your teeth, pack your backpack and get your shoes on. And when nine minutes and 59 seconds later comes and you're like, dude, you're still playing your game. You're in the exact same spot as you were 10 minutes ago. I told you. And we start yelling at them. Oh, that's my cue. Now is now. See, 10 minutes ago, now that wasn't now. I had 10 minutes. So I could still do whatever it is that I wanted to do because I didn't actually have to do it. But now is now. Now I can see you're mad. That's my cue. I got to go do it now, right? It's really frustrating for parents and teachers. And it becomes increasingly problematic um, as we get into adulthood, right, we're working on time management and organization and creating routines and structuring tasks and all of the other executive functioning things that are deficited. A lot of my kiddos and even my adults that I work with lack that ability to plan it, uh, plan out their day, even just daily tasks, manage their time. So I'm spending a lot of my time working with them just on those basic things. So like I said, I can't go through everything. Um, there's so many different areas that we could work on. But do check out my, my masterclass because I go through all of those um, executive functions and other um, treatment management, emotion regulation, behavior management, social skill management, all of those kinds of things. But when we're talking about anxiety, we definitely want to address that emotion regulation. So I will talk about that as well as metacognition. Actually, no matter whether they have ADHD or not, I am working so much on just awareness. That's the first and foremost piece of any work that we do, and especially with anxiety. So we got to learn to get on offense, all things that I've talked about before, and be ready for when anxiety shows up. And so if you've heard me talk at all before, 
you haven't, I'll tell you, but if you have before, you know what I'm going to say. It's all about externalizing our anxiety. And I do the same with ADHD as well, actually. So I approach any treatment strategies, um, with ADHD and anxiety simultaneously, right? So I talk about the trickster part of our brain, right? That likes to set off the amygdala all the time. That likes to create all sorts of chaos, whether it's anxiety or distractibility. So we've got that trickster Loki brain and who are the henchmen? Maybe it's brain eater who gets me distracted as well as catastrophizing Carl who likes me to think it's the end of the world, right? So we're externalizing these com committee members or these henchmen that all work together with, you know, um, to trick that amygdala, all or nothing L, shitty Susie, distractor Dan, right? They're these, all of them are these little cult leaders, right? who don't want to be exposed. They don't want to be known as cult leaders or in a, in a cult, but that's what we need to do. We need to expose them. And it helps separate all of the, the shaming sort of qualities from kiddos from themselves. And now we can work as a team to work against these henchmen who are trying to cause problems, right? So when we look at uh, when those henchmen show up, how they show up, what do they want the kid to do or other people to do? We can start looking at what do they do in our bodies? What do they do in our stories, right? The conspiracy stories that they tell. How do they come out in our behaviors? And we can use that information to get curious and to get problem solving and to keep our prefrontal cortex online. All the things that I've already talked about. So we're working on both at the same time. Um and I've talked about this process, like I said, in previous episodes, I do deep dive further, obviously, into my master classes. I've got my ADHD and my anxiety uh, compass mastery training. If you do want to join me and I get into the hows of all of this, I'm telling you the what's right now, but all the hows. But when we can identify which committee members are taking over and we can keep our free prefrontal cortex online, right, we can start to think rationally. We can acknowledge, okay. Those henchmen are trying to freak me out, right? Where in the body am I feeling it? What is the story that they're trying to spin to freak me out? It's not that we're trying to calm down. It's not that we're trying to reframe their thinking. We're just keeping their prefrontal cortex online. And when we can externalize those henchmen, ADHDers often feel empowered because now we have a name and when we can name it, we can tame it, right? And that's really important. It's not so scary super annoying and we can start to take back control of our lives right and now we are going to start changing how we think we're not trying to reframe we just really are we're thinking about it differently we're interacting with our anxiety differently we're responding differently to our anxiety which is going to help us manage it effectively right and i know i've talked lots about how we need to avoid trying to get rid of anxiety and there's no one hack um well the one hack is really exercise. I've talked a lot about that, right? That's the only thing. Exercise does hack into anxiety. And that hack is actually really, really important for ADHD kiddos too, because they have so much energy pent up in their bodies. And when they're anxious, it becomes so effortful for the ADHDers, even more so than anxious kids who don't have ADHD. And they have to try to dispel that. So they're using up that energy that can be really helpful doing physical activity. The hyperactive kids are actually at a benefit because they are dispelling some of that energy. And it's really important for anxiety, really, really important for our ADHDers anyway. And, and, and with that movement, they're getting blood flowing around the brain, which helps them self-regulate, regulate their emotions. It releases, you know, mood boosting chemicals in the brain. It helps them manage that anxiety in their mood. 
We also want to consider not just their physical body, but what are their executive functioning energy levels at that battery in their brain? Oftentimes at the end of the day, that executive functioning, keeping calm, making good choices, remembering the things that we need to do, getting started on our homework, that battery is completely drained. And so we want quick energy uh, replenishments that can be really helpful. I need to have a sip of water talking too much exercise for sure is helpful in, in raising that energy. Even like a juice box, we all know our hangry kids, not fun to deal with, but even a juice box to regulate those blood sugar levels, that can be really helpful. Hunger sabotages everything, right? So get that out of the way right away. And I actually do have a lot of families who are there the minute they're picking up their kid, they're shoving some, you know, juice box or some food into, into their uh, face just to help because they know they don't want to manage the monster later. And with ADHD, uh, whether they're on medications or not, um, a lot of them forget to eat, right? So medication we know can make it so that they're not feeling hungry, but even if they don't have medications, they forget to eat. And so a hungry adhd it's an emotional crisis because that hunger transforms into anger that comes out to whoever's around them, right? And so that's where we get the hanger from. And so when, when our blood sugars that they drop, that mimics anxiety. And so eating is really important too. So we can think about those little things too. Um, Kiddos with ADHD also forget to drink. And we know dehydration increases cortisol in our bodies, which leads to stress, right? And, And I think about how much caffeine kiddos are getting. Caffeine contributes to all these problems. It can interfere with sleep. So we can look at all of those pieces sleep. I mean, I've talked about sleep so much, right? A lot of times they're not getting enough sleep, executive functioning, managing anxiety all goes out the window if we're tired. And there's also evidence too, that anxiety uh, in our ADHD kiddos is linked with sleep disturbances. And so if you've got a kiddo, who's not a great sleeper, that's contributing and fueling this sort of web of anxiety and ADHD. And it's hard because when they want to go to bed is when all the stressors of the day come out and and their minds are racing. So if you do nothing else and you're not sure how to address the sleep, the one thing that I, I usually get families to start working on is getting kiddos waking up at the same time every morning. Ideally, you want them to go to bed at the same time every day too, but even on weekends, getting them up is the first sort of uh, step. Um, Another thing, mindfulness. I mean, go back to my previous episodes of mindfulness. I talk a lot about them. I have a few on this topic, um, even just recently coming into the new year and over the holidays, I had a few more on mindfulness. So definitely go talk about it. Mindfulness in the moment is really hard when our emotional brain is taken over. You know, we know things like breathing, relaxation. It's not anxiety strategies. I've talked about it a lot before. So in and of themselves, when we're trying to deep breathe and relax to get rid of anxiety, that's not going to be helpful. But if you've got a kiddo who's practicing mindfulness regularly, proactively throughout the day, I mean, there's so much research supporting the benefits of doing that. So for attention and for anxiety. So that's definitely an area worth pursuing. Um, Coming back to skills, though, I kind of went on a tangent, but lifestyle really is important. And I I don't want to... I want to make sure that we're not overlooking that the lifestyle and environmental pieces 
But when we're coming back to the skills, we need to focus on becoming the, the master of managers of anxiety. So teaching them how to keep that prefrontal cortex online when anxiety shows up. So everything I talk about in my anxiety compass program and even in my episodes here. Um, one thing that I quickly talked about last episode, but I didn't actually get into was looking at differentiating between anxiety and ADHD. That's really important because there's two different things um, here that's going on. So yes, sometimes anxiety is secondary to ADHD, but we got to look at what is what, especially if there is actually an anxiety disorder, because they are two different things that make each other worse. Right. And especially if you've got both, but like I said, it can be really hard to differentiate between anxiety and ADHD because the symptoms look exactly the same, like restlessness, fatigue, intrusive thoughts, racing minds, poor working memory, um, GI issues, irritability, poor sleep, having trouble sitting still, trouble focusing, trouble relaxing. I see so many kiddos not diagnosed with ADHD because they look so anxious. And they may very well be because of the untreated ADHD. And oftentimes when I go and actually investigate that further, I do see the ADHD. That's what we see is fueling all of this. Now, I'm not saying every anxious kid is ADHD, not at all, but, but there is oftentimes a lot of missed ADHD. And so it's really critical that we're going to address that ADHD because the anxiety is only going to get worse and we're going to have longer term problems in the future. On the flip side, I see ADHD masking the anxiety too. So we really do need to look at both. So although we see similarities behaviorally, there are differences in the two. So having a full assessment, a full evaluation is really important. So we can't just take the information in and get a symptom count and think we know the answer. What I'm talking here are, are about the things to think about, definitely, but we definitely want to make sure that a proper evaluation is happening and assessment is happening to figure out exactly what's going on. Because anxiety is really tricky and it can be tricky to spot because of the fact that it's an internal experience and it doesn't always manifest behaviorally. And if it does manifest behaviorally, it's usually misconstrued as, as behaviors, right? And so at first it's not very obvious and maybe not even ADHD learning disabilities. And, and that's why I'm doing this comorbid series. So we can really start looking at what is what. Now, the biggest difference that we're going to look at between ADHD is the underlying reason for things like inattention. Is the inattention because they're scared? Because they have apprehensive thoughts? Or is it because they're distracted because Billy's doing something way more, more interesting here than the teacher is doing up there, right? So are they distracted? Are they having trouble concentrating um, with the worried thoughts or without worried thoughts? That's a big thing. So it's, a lot of it is the internal experiences that we need to figure out. Um, sometimes kids can articulate that or they're not sure, but keeping data can be really helpful. Is it always in this class with this teacher who's really mean and they're in the kiddos not doing very good in probably anxiety if we're not seeing it anywhere else, right? With anxiety, we see kiddos having trouble concentrating because they're so caught up in their worried thoughts. So if we're looking at inattentiveness, you know, we got to look at the content, how much of it is worried sort of thoughts. Um, they're usually more tense. They're usually more stressed out than our more relaxed kiddos. It's all about the nervous 
worriedness, the big worries, the fear that's out of proportion to the situation, uh, avoidant behaviors because something bad is going to happen. Something scary is going to happen. It's based on fear. Inattention really only during situations that make them feel anxious. Otherwise, attention isn't a problem. It becomes a disorder when it starts to make you feel uneasy and distressed in everyday situations where there's no rational reason at all for being scared. And this is something that I've talked a lot about, right? So there is the constant worrying. It just doesn't ever go away. We see more tummy aches, more muscle tension, more headaches, more somatic symptoms, sweating, teeth clenching, needing to go to the bathroom every two seconds. Make sure you're ruling out other things, of course, right? Um, urinary tract infections and diabetes or whatever. But if it's just that anxiety, right? Um, it can come out as behaviors like cleanliness, temper tantrums, refusing to go to school, nightmares, feeling on edge all of the time. ADHD, it's really more about the attention the focus, the impulsivity that's happening a lot of the time, not just in one situation. And we know anxiety can go in a lot of different situations, but there might be some situations where they are calm and at ease and we don't see that. With the ADHD, we usually see it during neutral and non-preferred tasks. So they're not worrying about the task, at least initially they're not, right? Because initially it's just about can't. Over time, they might start worrying about it just because they've had so many failures, but at least initially they're not. They might start worrying about it um, when their brain won't let them focus in the first place, but it's just that they're distracted. They're distracted by other thoughts. They're distracted by other things in their environment, whatever's happening around them. Um, there might be some anxiety based on a specific challenge that they're dealing with. And so you can see how intricate and tricky it can be to kind of pull it, pull it out. But the stress is associated with executive functioning difficulties specifically. And that was where all of my anxiety was, where it really was ADHD. It really wasn't anxiety because it was all around anything to do with executive functioning. And those worries um, are more likely to be more proportional to the situation because it's, I don't know how I'm going to do in this task. I don't know how I'm going to do in this interaction. I legit have a, a worry here because of past experiences have told me I put my foot in my mouth, say something stupid and get somebody mad at me. There's a legit reason to be scared here, right? Whereas anxiety, it's usually irrational not based on anything, completely out of proportion. Um, ADHDers, they tend to be restless because they're bored. Not so much worry. Their brain is falling asleep. I'm constantly, I bring a huge, when I have to drive long distance, and especially if I'm, well, even with my kids, because we're usually listening to podcasts or music, we're not talking, but whenever I'm driving a long way, I have a huge, like Costco sized bag of carrots with me because I need to keep crunching, crunching, chew, 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 or gum. I, I go through like a whole, like 10 pack thing, of gum in a three hour drive. Because I need to keep my brain awake. It's not because I'm worried, right? There might be avoidance still, just like we would see in anxiety, but it's more because of the amount of effort involved in doing the task, how overwhelming it is that way because of the executive functions. So with ADHD, we see more challenges with um, completing tasks, listening to instructions, following instructions, focusing for very long on things that aren't, you know, their preferred activity, um, forgetfulness. We see that a lot more than compared to anxiety, not to say that our anxious kiddos don't also have those challenges, but we definitely see it more with the ADHD. 
So we really just need to understand the experiences of the kiddos and see if the difficulty is more about the attention and the focus and the executive functionings. And, and is it because of differences there or is it more because of fearful, apprehensive, all-consuming sort of worried thoughts, right? That's what we need to think about, the distractibility or the fear. Um, I do want to say, though, if we're only seeing challenges in one area, then it might not be ADHD. ADHD affects kiddos across contexts, right? So if they're having trouble with friendships, remembering instructions that the teachers say, but also what the coaches say on the ice. Um, I was working with a kiddo the other day who dad's like, no, his attention is fine. But you you hear the teacher and like their, their coach is like, man, I'm repeating the drill 10 million times. My kid, this kid can never go first because he hundred percent did not hear the instruction. He has to watch somebody else do it like six times before he can do it. Okay. Well, that's telling me I'm seeing it across contexts, right? If you're always remembering to do things around the house, um, but, but missing instructions at school, it's, it might not be ADHD, right? If you're doing things slowly, if you're forgetting to do things at all across the board, maybe it is ADHD. If they're overly irritable, if they're really argumentative, if they're telling lies, sneaking sugar, seemingly addicted to sugar or to screams, yeah, I, I kind of consider ADHD as well. I'm, I want to rule things out, not because I'm trying to find a label. I take a transdiagnostic approach, meaning I am looking at patterns of successes and challenges and what best fits those pattern of challenges across contexts, right? And in coming to the most um, parsimonious conclusion, meaning what best represents what's going on for this kiddo. When you add the excessive overreactions to situations and worries, then they also usually have anxiety. A big sign for me um, is when they're afraid to try new things because we know ADHD, their brain loves novelty, but anxiety could be getting in the way, right? And we see all the ADHD challenges intensified when there's ADHD and anxiety. So poor school performance, more social difficulties. We might not see as much impulsivity or, or hyperactivity um, or even off-task behaviors because the anxiety, like I talked about before, it's keeping them in check. But the anxiety won't keep in check things like slowness in processing things, slowness in just completing things being able to get things down, the working memory, the distractibility can all be worse. Um, and I've already talked about, you know, whether we're looking at ADHD, whether we're looking at anxiety or both, we want to make sure that um, we're looking at the healthy lifestyle piece. So just bring it all back around into all of those kinds of things. If you're going to start with anything, how can we start incorporating um, some of those pieces? But there's so much to think about when we are looking at how do we differentiate, really a thorough evaluation is going to be helpful. We can't just assume. We really got to get those kiddos internal experiences if we can. We want to collect data across people, across context to really understand. And then once we have an idea of what's going on, then we can start looking at the environment always first, whether it's anxiety or ADHD, and then our relationships. And then we can start looking at some of the skills that they need to develop. I'm going to leave it there for today. There's so much to think about. Um, let me know if you have any questions. 
definitely check out any of the masterclass trainings or even consultations. I'm happy to, if you don't need a full masterclass, I'm here to consult with you as well, if you're interested. Otherwise, have a lovely day. Go help those kiddos be bold and brave and courageous. And I will see you next time. Oh, 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 oh,